0: Set the way back machine?
1: Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Welcome, you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, 10 Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here at the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, Golfstream Motorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to check out our archive page. Golfstream, no, what is it called? Nostalgic Radio and Cars, of course. Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good evening, Tommy. Hello,
0: hello, Robert, Sorry.
1: <laughs> You know, I still have this terrible cough. Uh, must be the same hairball. It just can't seem to <laughs> get rid of it. But at any rate, well, uh, if you're tuned in right now and you see us live on YouTube, uh, you can see I don't have my poster up yet. You know why? Because I was bitty, busy recording and uh, I got a little behind schedule. But, you know, that's what happens sometimes. You just get caught up in the thing, and, you know, that's the beauty of radio. Radio is just, like, spontaneous, you know? We just love it, because, uh, well, you know, we can screw up. Well, kind of. Not really. But it happens. Anyway, uh, we got a real exciting show for you tonight. Very, very exciting guest coming on a little bit later. First time for this gentleman to be on our show. And I will give you a hint. Yes, I will give you a hint. He's into six strings, but he's also into cars, so... We are, we are, we are, we are, we are keeping in our theme. Anyway, hey, let's just go to the Florida Car Shows Minute real quick while that's on my mind and I have my notes here in front of me. The biggie, the biggie in two weeks, two weeks, gosh, yeah, that's two weeks, is um, not this weekend, but the weekend after next, Amelia Island, the Amelia Island Collector Car Week. And I got to tell you, I've been going there um, since 19—yeah, I've said this 100 times probably, but I'll say it again—since 1997, I think the first event was 1996, so that makes it 28 years. Yeah, 29. Something like that. I can't add. Let's see. That would be 2006, 2016, would be 20, uh, 20, 2000—so it's like uh, 20, 29, 27, 28 years, something like that. Anyway— God, I still can't add right. My mind is not all there, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. Anyway, uh, let's see. What else we got going on? Oh, yeah. So we got the uh, Amelia Island Concourse coming up. A lot of fun stuff coming there. Our good friends uh, from Russo and Steel are going to be there for the first time. They're going to have their inaugural auction. The other auctions will be Hollywood Wheels, our good friends over there. Bonhams, Goodings. I think Motostalgia is going to be there. Uh, What else? We got um, the Works Reunion, Porsche Works Reunion. We have the Saturday Cars and Coffee, sponsored by good friends over in Lakeland, Haycock Classic Car Insurance. Uh, There's an expo going on. There's seminars going on. There's just all kinds of stuff. So basically, let's see, it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I come to find out that I believe the following week there's a race going on on the airport, a vintage car race. But I'm not 100% sure about that. But anyway... Uh, this weekend we have, let's see, what's this is the first Saturday of the month. So Reeves Cars and Coffee will be on Saturday at Reeves and Port Cars. Sunday, for all of us junkyard junkies, is the Sumter County Swap Meet. And at the Brains Motorsports this weekend is the Mustang... Uh, Doggone it, I can't remember. It's the big Mustang show that they have there every year, which they have all the drag race cars, muscle car, Mustang, and uh, oh, man, I'm terrible about this today. Anyway, big Mustang racing thing going on at uh, Bridgestone Motorsports. It'll come to me later in the show. When it comes to me later in the show, then I will go ahead and I will uh, – actually, if I was smart and that was resourceful, I could probably use this computer over to my right – and I could probably Google it real quick, but that would take me time. So what I will do is when we have a commercial break, I will do two things. One, and I promise you guys this, I will look up uh, the name of the event. I probably should text somebody real quick, and they'll text me back. And I'll hang my poster, because, or my banner, because this is the first time and I don't know how long that I've actually been behind schedule and I forgot to hang up my, my banner. Now, what did we do this weekend? Well, this weekend they had the concourse, the Boca Boca. Boca Raton Concourse d'Elegance in Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, that was a lot of fun. <coughs> Excuse me. So I went down to go hang out with my buddy David for a while. David's got the uh, the original, the firstborn bandit. Yeah, when I say bandit, I'm talking the 1977 smoking the bandit trans-m car. Well, I'll talk about that. Maybe not on this show, but I'll talk a little bit in depth. on it. I'll do a special feature on that particular car. So what we did is we uh, kind of did this little tour on Saturday from the Boca Raton Hotel to Mar-a-Largo. And uh, the lead car was driven by Mr. none other than Mr. Jay Leno himself. So if you Google my Facebook page, you'll see that I put in there, We are playing Father the Leader with Jay Leno on our way from the Boca Raton Hotel to Mar-a-Largo. And it was a very warm, humid day along the coastline. We took A A1, one, not A one A. It's uh, I think one, whatever they call it, US one one. And uh, along the shoreline there, an unbelievable pieces of real estate, unbelievable view of the Atlantic Ocean. Water was just beautiful, aqua color. And as we're gazing at some of the most amazing real estate you've seen in the entire state of Florida along that coastline there, going up through. Uh, West Palm Beach, Palm Beach, up to Mar-a-Lago, and uh, and the and the beautiful coastal, you know, the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the one thing that kind of went through the back of my mind was, I'm also staring at the Bermuda Triangle, you know, so I couldn't help but think about some of that stuff, you know, all these airplanes and 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 ships and boats and all the mysteries surrounding the the British the, the Bermuda Triangle, and it's it's you know when you look out it just looks so majestic and so magical. And yet, it's so mysterious. You know, it's really kind of cool. In fact, this is probably a subject for. Uh, I'm looking at this poster right across from me. It says, "I dot love." Uh, that's a shout out to our friend uh, Lou over there, that does the, uh, in my humble opinion, which is on Wednesday nights at an odd time. I think it's seven thirty. What is it, Tommy? Seven thirty to eight thirty? Is that what time this show is? Yeah. So if you wanna, if you're in the uh, let's just say the paranormal, maybe, and um, and and aliens, and uh, maybe stuff about the Bermuda Triangle. You might want to tune to to Lou's show, and of course on Saturday he hangs out with uh, Tim, the mechanic, <laughs> on the Grease Gurus, and of course we do our thing. Big shout out to my good friend Alan. Alan uh, slipped on a socket while he was working in a shop. <laughs> And he fractured his arm. Actually, I think it's beyond fracture. I think he broke it. But anyway, so if he's uh, hanging out in the hospital, if you're listening to the radio tonight and you're at Morton Plant, Alan, big shout-out to you. Alan usually sits in with us from time to time. He's one of our regulars, our, uh, let's say, uh, contributors to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, we wish him all the best. Speedy recovery. Hopefully he can reach the uh, AM dial and set it to AM 1340 and tune into Nostalgic Radium Car here on the Tantalk Radio Network, between 7 and 8 p.m., every Tuesday night. So, uh, so we got that, Sumter County, with got swap week, we got the junkie thing. Anyway, so, all right, so the, uh, we went to mar Largo, we hung out there, we had a little something to eat, and I kind of snuck around a little bit, as I usually have a tendency to do, and took some really cool pictures. So, <laughs> so excuse me, <coughs> be sure and check out my Facebook page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, uh, and, of course, at Gulfstream Motorsports.com. Uh... Let's see. What else? So at any rate, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Then the next day they had the uh, Boca Concourse, which was on Sunday. And I got to tell you, I mean, as, as warm as it was down there, it's just a really nice venue. And uh, my hat goes off to the people that put on the, uh, the Boca Raton Concourse because they're one of the few organizations that actually raise a serious amount of fun- money for the Boys and Girls Club. And just about all of it, from what we understand, from what we're told, gets donated to that particular organization. So that's uh, very noble and very novel of them. I guess that's the right word, so hopefully I use those right. And uh, so my hat goes off to them. And they had an amazing selection of cars. I saw some old friends. I hobnobbed with a bunch of people. And uh, just it's just a lot of fun. And i got to tell you, the thing that I really, truly like about Concourse is the selection of cars. I mean, it truly is, is art in motion, could be, if they're very, very unusual cars history because of the cars the personalities the people the people really were kind of make the cars kind of unique too because of stories and the cars have been passed along so the people that are now the owners or curators or caretakers however which way they want to be labeled you know they got the stories that they've carried with them and they share those stories with you and that's what really makes the car special because they have the cars themselves are a personality they're they're a people their soul, you know, and I say this all the time, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you have anything that's an antique, you know, if you look at it and you just stare at it for a second, you put it in your hand, you know, like I, I'm, I'm into guitars, for example, but I'm into a lot of other things. And, you know, when I look at this old stuff, I go, wow, you know, what was it like back 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, when you look at some of these really cool antiques and you say, wow, you know, somebody bought this thing brand new. I want to know what was going through their mind. I wonder what people were thinking. On the way back from mar a I had an opportunity to write in a 1930 Packard Straight eight, absolutely stunning car. It was a fa- uh, Phaeton. When Phaeton basically is where the top goes down, no windows, no, no. Uh, um, um, what's the word I'm thinking about? The the little window that goes between the passenger. Yeah, my mind is just terrible. Sorry, guys. But anyway, uh, You know, they the, they had the. Um, ah, can't think of it. It'll come to me. It'll come to me later in the show. Uh, but anyway, so it basically was a fate open car, but it was just really cool driving this gorgeous, and there's a picture of it also on our Facebook page, this 1930 fate, and I wasn't driving, I was riding in a shotgun, and I was actually behind my friend David in his Trans Am, so I was taking pictures across the bow, because it's so long, the front of the car, and then behind us was a 1953 or 54 Rolls-Royce convertible, also a very stunning car, actually a one-off Mullner body, okay, and of course Rolls-Royce, you know, back in the day, a lot of people don't realize, but your package, your Duesenbergs, your... Um, Lincolns and sometimes Cadillacs. They people bought the chassis, and then they were either built by uh, a Fisher body or a Dietrich body or a Muller body or a Park Ward body or you know there's just all kinds of bodies. It's hard to keep you know the coachwork, just what it was. The handbuilt coachwork. The cars were so elegant, you know, and graceful and ornate. And uh, to be able to ride in these cars is just it's just uh, it's a time machine. And then as I was riding down with uh, my friend Lee, who owned the Packard, I was talking to him a little bit, and I said. You know, Lee, what do you think it was like? What do you think it was going through people's minds back in the 1930s, right after the Depression? Now, think about this. 1929 was the Depression. This was the 1930 Packard. So even back then, that car was a six $7,000 car or more. And uh, so here you have people pretty much just, you know, it's it's a terrible state, what's going on in the United States at the time. And here's people with these unbelievable cars that cost more than houses. And uh, so here you are. You're just a little kid, and you're standing alongside of the road, you know, and and you're you're just trying to get by with your your mom and dad, and and you see this majestic car go by, you know, you're just kind of like, wow. Uh, It had to be something back then. And it's nothing like today. You know, today, you know, to see Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Rolls Royces and Bentleys and all these luxury cars, it's kind of a common occurrence back then. And, And the cars today, they look all the same. You know, it's like, so a Lamborghini blows by, or a Countach blows by, or a a Bentley GT goes by, or an Aston Martin, or a Mercedes GT, or something like that, and maybe the occasional Porsche. Mm, yeah, all right, so you don't get excited. They're just, you know, have seen one, you've seen them all. But back in those days, the cars really stood out. Think about this. A Model A, a 1930 Model A Ford, or a 30 Chevrolet, and then also a the Packard, or a Duesenberg, or a Cord or an Auburn, or something really amazing like that. Or a Mercedes five 500, or something like that goes by. Uh, uh, well, it wouldn't be a little early for a 500. But, you know, something like that goes by. the a Rolls. Just absolutely stunning. Uh, If you ever get a chance, go up to Rhode Island. Up to um, uh, what was it? Uh, I can't think of the uh, the the part up there in Rhode Island where um, the Vanderbilts and the Carnegies and everybody had their big homes. And it's just pretty amazing when you go up there and you see those massive estates on the on the coastline of the Atlantic. It's just uh, incredible. It's it's history, and it was a sign of the times back in the day. You know, I mean, that's truly when wealth was wealth. And, uh, and, and only and only handful of people had it, you know. Today you've got a lot of wealthy people, you know. But back then it was it was uh, it was very unusual, and uh, so people were with extreme wealth had just amazing stuff, you know. So at any rate, uh, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the stereo. I think we got a little uh, a little Tito and the Trenchula. This is from the movie After Dark, uh, Terrence Quentin Terrence Quentin Tino movie, I believe. Pretty cool song. So if you get a chance, uh, check it out. You tune in to Nostalgic Random Cars, and I will be right back. I'll be back in a short short. Don't touch that dial. Okay, we're back in a nick of time. Uh, what was I gonna look up? Did you get that? <laughs> hey, I tell you what, if we had, if this was a relay race, I think we'd be in the lead because you have no idea what it's like sometimes when we get behind schedule and we scramble and we run back and forth, and back and forth. And I had to run in the production room real quick. I had to re- 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 redo something real quick. Stick it in the folder so Tommy could get it, so he could upload it and put it in, in uh, Adobe, whatever the thing's called. Anyway, uh, let me Google Mustang. <laughs> Tom's giving me a thumbs up. Okay, so uh, what was I talking about? Oh, Boca. Boca was a lot of fun. And uh, let me turn my little mic over here and try to let's see, Mustangs at Bradington Motorsports. Uh, Bradington, Braden, Bradenton. You know, it's it's terrible. You know, I've been taking these vitamins to supposed to help my brains, and um, I don't think they're working. So, uh, and, and I've been taking some vitamins. Uh, my friend IG, who's a pharmacist, who is definitely on uh, thinks along the holistic terms, which holistic is, you know, homeopathic, allopathic, uh, or homeopathic, which is, you know, natural home remedies, vitamins, and things of that nature. So I've been trying to kind of eat a little bit better, take some vitamins, exercise, Trying to get my heart rate down, <laughs> uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at any rate, so uh, I've been taking these vitamins and I'm kind of like waiting for results. And uh, so, you know, as they say, well, it takes a while for your body to kind of acclimate itself to to vitamins because you're used to eating really bad stuff, like <laughs> some of this food that we bite. Excuse me. <coughs> and I cannot figure out where this hairballs come from. Can I cannot get rid of this thing? Okay. Anyway, um, so. Uh, Yeah, uh, so my friend up there, Reginald, up at uh, Discount Vitamins up in Palm Harbor. So if you get a chance and you wander in there, tell me you heard uh, Reginald mentioned uh, Discount Vitamins, Palm Harbor on Nostalgic Greenland Cars. And yeah, you never know. He might give you a 15% discount because sometimes I beg and grovel and squeal and squirm, and then sometimes I get it. At any rate, uh, yeah, you definitely got to eat right. You have to have a healthy attitude and... uh, Got to slow down. Count to ten. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know why I'm doing all this, but hey, I gotta make. I gotta keep the show entertaining for everybody, right, Tommy? I gotta keep the show entertaining because otherwise it would just be. And if if there's no energy in the show, if there's no emotions, it's like, yeah, that guy's got a really dull show. Matter of fact, if you really want to amuse yourself, if you really, really, really want a good laugh, go to the very first show on our podcast. When I look back on that, I go, wow. Uh, we're coming up on our ninth year anniversary, May 13th, or right around May 13th is when we started, May, th- May 13th, 2010. And I will never forget how I was sitting in the studio. And I was supposed to be on the air at 5, and I chickened out at 5. I chickened out at 6, I chickened out at, uh, well, no, actually 4, 5, 6. Uh, so I chickened out until 7, and Lee goes, hey, dude, you got to get in there and do this, you know? I mean, uh, you know, you got to poo-poo or get off the potty. And I go, all right, so... I prepped and prepped and prepped and prepped for the three hours. I get in there and I go, hi, my name's Robert. This is Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Uh, 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 I don't remember if I had a lot of dead air or not. But anyway, it's pretty boring. And I said, the the essence of this show is about music. I like music. Uh, But anyway, and then I talked a little bit about cars. But it was pretty, pretty pathetic. So What did you say? That was show number one? Yeah, that was show number one. One of what number are we on today? I don't know. I lost count. Uh, 440, something like that. Uh, oh, so you can tell a little different Yeah, you can tell. That, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, of course, you know, I got you there, too. So you're lively, too, you know, uh, Tommy. So that, that works out we good. But anyway, here, I think we're going to have our guest come on in a few minutes. So what I'm going to do is uh, in a second or two, he will call here probably around uh, 730 Eastern Standard Time, because that's what we're supposed to be. So I think what we'll do is we'll fire up the stereo system because I got some music coming on. And uh, we'll be on with our guest. If he doesn't come on right away, then guess what? You're gonna to have to listen to me again. In the meantime, I'm gonna to try to look up what uh, uh, which event is taking place at Bradenton Motorsports this weekend. Uh, for all you fast forward and Mustang guys that want to go out and dust off some Chevrolet, hey, uh, this is a little. Oh, hey, this is John Oates. Pretty cool song. What's the name of this one? Is it uh, Stand Strong? Stand Strong, guys. Let me tell you, Stand Strong. Hey, you're tuning into the getting Cars. Don't touch that dial. Here's little John Oates.
2: down on Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR Coupé. Just nine SLRs were ever built, and only two of them are coupés. This is one of those two cars. Call it what you like, the Mona Lisa, the Holy Grail. This, to me, is it. And that's the seat where very few people over the last 55 years have been invited to sit. But today, it's my turn. And there it is in all its glory. There's no mistaking this for a normal gullwing when you look under the bonnet. Eight cylinders rather than six, three liters, and a full 300 horsepower. That's what made this car a 300 kilometer an hour machine in its heyday. Right, the starting procedure, in neutral. It's a bit noisy. And it's gonna get even noisier when we close the door. The silence after the storm, this car is so intense to drive, deafening, powerful, hot inside, intimidating and utterly magnificent. At the end of a day with the Uhlenhaut Coupe, I'd use two words to describe the experience. Intimidating yet intoxicating. Intimidating, first of all, because of the noise, the din from those pipes is unbelievable. The heat inside the car, racing clutch an engine that hates to go at anything less than 3000 revs. It all makes for perhaps the least suitable road car you can imagine, but at the same time intoxicating because the more you drive it, the more you learn to respect it. And remember that this is a Formula One car with a sports car body, the more you come to love it. At the end of the day, I have even greater respect for the man who designed this car and who was brave enough to use it on the road in the 1950s. Rudolf Unenhout, what a car.
0: This is Sterling Moss, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
1: Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is a rock and roll and songwriter, Hall of Fame member, and he's part of one of the best-selling music duos out of the 70s and 80s. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, John Oates. John, how are you doing?
0: Well, Robert, how's it going, man? That was a very cool thing I just heard on the mercedes 300. SLS, so,
1: That's incredible. Well, let me give you a little tip. I was listening to an interview, and you had referenced that one of your favorite cars, if uh, money was no object, would be the <laughs> Uhlenhaut SLR. And I am right there with you because I absolutely love that car. I had a chance to see that car in 1971 at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Museum in Germany, and uh, I was just like totally blown away by that car.
0: Yeah, just a, so, so you know, so so many, so much goodness in one in one place, man. I, I don't even know where to begin. That's that's awesome.
1: Well, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Uh, as a fellow Porsche owner myself, and I'm into 356s, and I know you are as mm-hmm. well as uh, 911s and 930s. So, uh, give us a little background on yourself. Tell us a little bit about uh, who is John Oates.
0: Well, I, I you know I guess the the musical side of, of my personality. Uh, been pretty well documented. I don't, th- I don't know if we need to go there. I mean, I've been, been playing as a professional musician ever since I've been 12 years old. Uh, and uh, it's the only, only job I've ever had. So I'm one of the, one of the lucky ones. Uh, and uh, on the other side, you know, I've got this uh, I'm, a, I'm a car guy uh, through and through. And it goes back to my childhood when I um, rescued a bunch of old road and track magazines that someone was throwing out in the trash in the 1950s. And uh, still have them, have a collection of those dating back to the mid 50s. And uh, began to get in, you know, kind of enthralled with the whole European road racing scene and the exotic names, uh, you know, Fangio and Moss and, you know, and all these legendary circuits and things like that. Um, and then, uh, you know, in the late 70s, I got in a little bit into racing. I started with go karts, moved into Formula Ford and Sports 2000, I did some IMSA endurance racing. Um, drove a Porsche 924 GTR at Daytona with a very good friend of mine from England named Richard Lloyd, and he was kind of my racing guru, got me started um, with some racing schools over in England and things like that. So, you know, and then over the years, I've owned a number of cars. I've never been a, a, a you know, a huge collector, but I had a nice collection in the 80s. Um, you know, I, in 77, I bought one of the early uh, first 930s Turbo Carreras, Porsche Turbo Carreras that came, came to the U.S., um, I've had a speedster and a few 9-11s over the years, and right now I'm rocking the uh, Rod Emery, uh, Emery Special, um, which is uh, ba- based on a 1963-56 Cabriolet uh, with a hardtop, um, removable hardtop, which Rod has modified for me. And uh, it's uh, pretty spectacular, um, and uh, it's a work of art. So um, right now that's my, uh, that's my go-to thing.
1: That's your go-to car. Now, I was listening to the interview there, and uh, from what, and I was actually looking at the pictures online. So basically, you hung a—it was tapped in the nose, and you hung an A front end on a on a B on a T five. And uh, so
0: when, yeah, the, it was crushed. Uh, the front end was crushed. In it was in a barn. I mean, it's, it sounds like a cliche, but it was a true barn barn find in Texas. Rod found the car, uh-huh. um, and when uh, you know, I did want a convertible. I, I was, you know. I had a Speedster in, in the 80s that I always regretted, my, my big regret in life selling that car. but uh, And I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to recapture the spirit of the Speedster, but I didn't really want another Speedster. Uh, and uh, it seemed like the perfect combination when he, Uh, called me and told me he had found this particular car, and he was excited because he liked the idea of the removable hardtop, which, you know, he had plans of chopping, and, you know, he he, uh, raked the A-pillar back a number of degrees, so it gave it a more rakish kind of almost quasi-speedster look. But um, Rod is a true artist, you know. And once uh, we realized that we had to put a new nose on it, I, I just thought the A noses. I said, "Listen, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, you know, chop this thing up and this is going to become an outlaw, you know, or an Emory special," I said, "There's no, you know, there's, we throw the rule book out the window." And and I, I came up with this hair brand idea. I said, "Let's make it." the 356 greatest hits let's pick all the design elements for the the whole like model run of the 356 from the pre-a all the way through the this you know the scs and uh let's just pick what we think is the coolest parts and put them on the car and and that's basically what we did
1: well, i got to tell you, I looked at the pictures of it, and uh, I like the fog lights because, you know, in the late uh, 50s and the, the early 80s, they actually had, if you ordered fog lights, they actually had a kind of a contour that was kind of notched out a little bit. It looks like you did that mm-hmm. to the front of the car. I yep. like the roof line. I like the gas cap in the center of the, of the yep. uh, uh, you know, what the tank is in the, mm-hmm. in the hole in the hood. And I like the louvers and the back deck lid, and it really looked cool. Now, do you drive the car with the top off, or you keep the top on it most of the time?
0: Well, I haven't had enough time to really drive it. I've had the top on the entire time I've had it. Uh, But circumstances due to my touring schedule and also when winter set in. You know, I had the car at Rensport, um, and then I drove it in Nashville um, over the fall. And then there was a couple things I wanted to uh, do to it, um, and and I knew I wasn't going to drive it much this winter. So I shipped it back out to Rod, and it's been out in L.A. um, for the entire winter. And he did some upgraded brakes. He did an upgraded steering rack, uh, a number of modifications that were kind of ready to come on just prior to my car being delivered, and I said, "You know what? We've gone this far. Let's let's go all the way." And I wanted all the latest mods that he had developed. So the car now is basically as as state of the art as an Emery car can be, um, and uh, it's coming to it's, it's on its way, it's on a truck as we speak on its way to Amelia Island.
2: Oh
1: wow, that's right. Speaking of Amelia Island, let's talk a little about that because uh, I was talking to Bill Warner because he comes on my show every year. Matter yeah. of fact. Um, uh, Rod's been on my show too, and I see Rod when I get out to see him every once in a while. And mm-hmm. uh, so you're doing a special feature out there. Now, I will preface by saying I'm also a guitar fanatic, so I was going to. Okay. We'll, we'll get into the guitars here in a minute, because, you know, <laughs> cars and guitars and long hair, that's us, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us about what you got going on there with, uh, with the guitars and cars thing.
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, Chris Brewer, who uh, does marketing and PR for Amelia Island Concourse. Uh, he approached me with an idea. Uh, he said, what if we pair vintage cars and vintage guitars? And, you know, when you really think about it, you know, there's a lot of synergy between the, 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 those two things. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're iconic, uh, you know, iconic uh, engineering, mechanical uh, works of art, basically. And uh, you know, and then they represent, and they really do speak. You know, as you know, as as a as a, as a car fan and a guitar fan, you'll know that you know uh, a certain era of Gibson or a certain era of Martin or Fender, you know, uh, Gretsch, whatever it might be. They they represent an aesthetic, you know, it, it, that 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 kind of echoes the uh, the time that you know, and and the and the style of the era. And of course, cars do too. So I think it, it was sounded like such a cool idea, and I just Got very into it, and uh, Chris and I began to assemble, uh, you know, some cars, and together we assembled some some guitars to go with them.
1: Super. Now the display, the cars are going to be outside. Where are the guitars going to be? You're not going to leave those outside, too, are you? Are they no, going to the, be inside? The
0: car, the, the Chris has had uh, display cases uh, made. Oh, okay. For the car, for the guitars, and they will be uh, displayed right alongside the, the cars uh, in a section of the Concours lawn at Amelia, and uh, we've got some great stuff. I mean. Um, just uh you know i mean just i don't know. we've got an elvis corvette that he drove in one of his movies which we're pairing with, uh, with a with a, a ukulele that he played and another uh, uh guitar that's uh you know similar to uh, one that he would have played in the movie.
1: Okay, that probably uh, was clam That bake. That was when we drove that Corvette. I think it was Clambake, Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I don't, we don't have access to some of the exact you know cars, but we're we're uh, guitars rather, but we're pairing uh, similar models of, of similar you know ages.
1: Super. Uh, I'm
0: bringing my '59 MGA twin cam down. Ooh. Uh, and I'm putting that on with a '59 uh, a Gretsch double anniversary, a mint green double anniversary. What
2: okay. You know?
0: cool, iconic uh, guitar. I'm pairing my, uh, my Rod Emery um, Outlaw with a 59-60 Fender Strat that I uh, had made at the custom shop and basically had it modified in, in a very similar way using the basic, you know, kind of the, what I considered some of the best elements of the, of the Stratocaster uh, in, a, in a very similar to the way Rod crafted the, uh, the My 356. So in a way, you know, they're both hybrids. Um, we've got uh, let's see, oh well, we've got a Ricky Nelson uh, Cadillac and we've got a, I, and i believe it's a Les Paul that goes with that. We're going to have the pink Porsche tractor that Kevin Jeanette uh, created for Rensport uh, with a pink painted, uh, similarly painted uh, Martin acoustic that goes with that. Wow. Um, oh, we've got a whole bunch of cool stuff.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, I look forward to that, and of course, you'll be there. Uh, you know, will you be approachable and taking pictures and talking? I, uh,
0: to I'm gonna, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 out there. I'm walking around the lawn, enjoying the the the, the machines, just like everyone else. And uh, I'll be, you know, I'll be at the car exhibit, you know, and uh, saying hi and talking about what we've got going. And uh, it's going to be fun. I'm also bringing my 356 to the Porsche uh, Works uh, Corral on Friday at the Omni Hotel. Okay, the Works and reunion. It'll be, it'll, It'll be on display there, Okay. Uh, so uh, that'll be fun. You know, kind of hang with the Porsche guys. So there's, there's a bunch of great stuff going on at Amelia this year, and it's, it's going to be a, a fantastic weekend.
1: Well, that is super, and I look forward to meeting you there. Um, real yeah. quick, I wanted to back up and go, okay, so you drove IMSA, and mm-hmm. in, and you said you drove a 924 Carrera GT, so I'm going to assume that that was probably 80, 81, 82. Was you, did you race at It was, 80, the D-?
0: it was actually 83, 84. Okay. Um, I drove with a guy named George Drolsom from Indiana uh, in his car at Lime Rock, and then I drove with Richard Lloyd at uh, Daytona in Richard's car, which he brought over from from England. Uh, I also drove um, I drove some uh, uh, I drove a Porsche Fiero. I'm I'm sorry, Porsche, a Pontiac Fiero, uh, Joe Huffaker car with Bob Earle, um, which unfortunately had an accident in uh, at Elkhart Lake, and that's kind of when I decided to hang up the racing helmet. So, when you uh, said Huff, I still love to drive, but I don't race anymore.
1: Okay, when you said Huffaker, are you talking about Huffaker Racing out of California? There, the guys that used mm-hmm, to yeah, race Joe there? Huffaker. Okay,
0: yeah. Well, I was on tour. It's a long, kind of a long story. I was on tour with Daryl, and uh, we had a tour that was sponsored by Pontiac Fiero, uh-huh. and through that, um, I was given the opportunity to drive the uh, GTU Pontiac Fiero that Joe Huffaker built.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because Huffinger's known for, for Jaguars and, and MGs and killer cars like that because he's big, 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 a big, big big British car guy, he's based out of Sonoma, California.
0: Which, yeah, that's
1: right. And, and I'm, I'm from that area, too. I grew up in Center Fell. But uh, I was reading somewhere that you had a Jag and a an XKE, and you also had a Healy at one point in time. Of course, I'm a big 3000 Healy fan, and that's what you had. So what yeah, were those cars like?
0: It. Yeah, well, I had a B- BJ7 67, uh, Okay. silver blue, uh, with navy interior. Um, the, Heely, the big Heelys are cool, um, you know, uh, I loved my my E-Type, it was a series one and a half uh-huh. uh, that I had as a 68, and uh, I, I had a 56 Speedster, I had a 55 Chevy convertible, and um, you know, I had a nine. Well, I had a bunch of stuff. Uh, the 80s, you know, I kind of overindulged in, on a lot of levels, and uh, it all came back to bite me in the butt. And, uh, and by the by, the time of the 90s, I stripped down to really the bare essentials and basically started my life over again in Colorado. And living out in Colorado uh, on a dirt road in the mountains, um, basically, I drove a pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> well good
1: for you. I mean, you know, the salt of the earth. And uh, hey, look, I'd be I'd be right there with you. Let me yeah. ask you another question. What is your go-to guitar?
0: My go-to guitar is my 58 Strat. The one that uh, if you've ever seen me play a show from 1974 onward, that's the guitar I'm playing and to this day I'm still playing it. That's excellent. Uh, it's a it's a and here again it's a strat that's been slightly modified. Back in the 70s I put humbucker pickups on it and uh so it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really cool, I mean, it's just one of these guitars, it feels like it's part of my body. I, I just pick it up and, you know, and I've had a number of guitars built. Uh, I had Bender actually try to replicate it and, uh, you know, the dimensions of the neck and the feel of the whole thing. So uh, I've got a couple clones of that guitar. Um, but I've got a, I've a bunch of guitars I like. I just bought a beautiful... 66 Gibson Mm. ES-125 with one P90 pickup, and I've been playing that on my solo shows because it's kind of a cross between an acoustic and an electric semi-hollow body, and uh, I can finger pick and do the acoustic stuff on it, but when I crank it up, it's got a really cool blues sound. So that's the guitar I've been using on my solo shows.
1: Do you consider yourself uh, a lead guitarist or a, a really good rhythm guitarist? I mean, if you fingerpick, you do a little of everything, obviously. But uh... yeah,
0: well, you know, I started out as a folk guitar player and I played a lot of blues and folk music. So my finger-picking thing is one of one of the things I do. Um, I'm definitely more of a rhythm guitar player and a more of a. I use the guitar obviously as an accompaniment to my voice and for songwriting and things. Uh, I'm not that flashy when it comes to leads. Uh, I always make sure I got a Killer
1: leak. Your your the 68 Strat now or the 58 Strat rather, mm-hmm. it, and and I was looking at some of the videos because obviously I always try to learn a little bit about my guests who they're going to be. So in, yeah. in a lot of those videos you play a Strat. So did that is did that, that very Strat? Did you change the color on that for different uh, videos or is it what what does that guitar look like?
0: No, if you see that the Strat I'm I'm referring to is a, is completely natural, it has no okay. finish at all.
1: Oh, it's a natural. Um, okay.
0: Yep, and uh, it has two uh, two Gibson uh, PAF humbuckers in it. Okay, and uh, that's that's the go my go to guitar. It's the same guitar I've had since, as I said, nineteen seventy four. And um, but I have I have other Strats as well.
1: Okay, did you change your tuners on that one, or is it still running the, the uh, original? No, I've got,
0: yeah, I've got I've got Grover brass Grovers, and back in the seventies, it was kind of hip to put a lot of brass replacements. Like I've got a brass uh, brass um, uh, you bridge. Know, um, bridge mm-hmm. brass uh, back plate on it brass neck plate it was a thing in the 70s to use brass as replacements for a lot of
1: that stuff yeah i've got a 75 uh, hardtail and it's got a brass bridge mm-hmm. and a brass nut on it too for the yeah. same, which was kind which, of that a was players could do back then yeah well you get more sustain i mean you know that and of <laughs> yeah, course the, it did a little,
0: yeah exactly
1: exactly mm-hmm. cool well at least we're all on the same page on that let's talk about uh, your new album now and i played one of the yeah. songs and i actually liked that song and uh, what's it called stand uh,
0: Stand Strong. Stand strong, uh, yeah. That's an album that actually came out about three years ago, um, called okay. Good Road to Follow. Uh, I have a cur- more, more current album called Arkansas, which is much more rootsy and much more... Um, it actually was inspired by Mississippi John Hurt, who is a... Uh, uh, one of my childhood heroes and I actually own uh, Mississippi John Hurt's original guitar oh, wow. uh, 1964 Gretsch that was given to him when he played Newport Folk Festival when he was rediscovered during the folk revival and um I actually have that guitar now in my possession and I just played it on a recording session the other day it's pretty amazing um so uh, yeah I'm a big folk blues delta blues uh, you know fan and uh I've got a, you know, I do a lot of that stuff. When I'm left to my own devices, when I'm not playing Man Eater, and
1: so <laughs> on. <laughs> so now, t- tell us about your touring dates. What do you got going on? You got some stuff going in South America well, here? Or? Yeah,
0: well, I just yeah, I just finished the three shows with my solo band because I have a, I have a thing called the Good Road Band, and um, we go out and we do this rootsy bluesy show. Uh, which is what I do on my solo side. And Daryl and I are going to crank up this year with some out-of-the-country dates. We have a few in the U.S., but we start in March with a weekend at Caesars Palace in Vegas. And then uh, in uh, June, we go to South America for three shows. April, May, we're in Europe, uh, U.K., and Germany. Um, We go back to Europe in July for some festivals. Then we come back to the U.S. for a few selected shows in August and September.
1: Okay, and then what's going on in South America? Is that you? you did that already, or is that coming up oh, too? Oh no,
0: that's that's uh, that's June. that's, oh, that's June? Uh, mid to late June, and we do uh, Santiago, Chile, Sao Paulo, Brazil, and Buenos Aires. Okay.
1: How about Florida? Yeah. you coming to Florida anytime soon?
0: Well, you know, that's funny you should say. <laughs> I'm actually working on some solo shows for Florida in really? November. Um, that's what I'm trying to put together as we speak. In fact, I was just, on, I was just emailing my agent trying to book, book those. So, uh, yeah, we're put, pulling a little something together, but that will be the end of the touring year for me because by the time I'm done with Daryl in September, October, I'll be pretty burned. And uh, just, I'll just throw a couple solo shows in in November just for fun, and uh, that'll probably be it.
1: Okay. Well, now, uh, have you see if I'm talking because we're in the Clearwater area, so are you, are you familiar Have yeah. you are you familiar oh, with Ruth yeah. Eckert Hall? Have you been here before? Ruth
0: Eckert Hall, i played <laughs> Ruth Eckert Hall many, many times. Okay,
1: good. Yeah. How about the Straz in Tampa or the Phillips in uh, Orlando? Have you been to any of those?
0: Uh, I don't recall those two, um, but I know Ru- Ruth Eckert Hall very well.
1: Okay. So you deal with Bobby Rossi over there and uh, Seth Miller? Or... Yeah,
0: John Valentino is my guy in Florida.
1: Uh, oh, okay. oh, really? Okay. All right, cool. Yeah. So uh, a book, tell us about your book. It's called uh, "Change yeah. of the Seasons.":
0: Change of Seasons." Yes, it came out uh, about two years ago. It, um, it was a labor of love. I, I uh, you know it was a chance for me to uh, talk about all the other things besides music. I mean, obviously it's music-centric, but you know, I've been talking about racing. I was talking about living in Colorado in the mountains and skiing and raising a family, building a house, uh, doing all the things outside of music that probably a lot of people don't, you know, aren't aware of. Uh, and, uh, you know, I talk a lot about the early days of getting together with Daryl in the early 70s, uh, which, you know, people seem to know a lot more about the 80s with the big hits and MTV. You know, kind of, you know, it's been documented so, so much more. But the early 70s, people don't really know what, what it took to get there. And uh, I just thought that would be, you know, kind of a good tack to take with the book, to, to talk about some of the things that might be, not be so obvious uh, to, to people.
1: we got a minute or two. You want to share a story or two?
0: Well, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Well, you know... Uh, I, Boy, this, well, let's put it this way. The book is, is divided into very short chapters that read like short stories, meaning you could open that book anywhere you want, read a chapter, and get a complete idea. That was the, that was one of the things I wanted to do on it. Um, I talk about, you know, I detail in, in great detail, for instance, the Abandoned Luncheonette album, which was an album we made in 1973, and to me it's still one of the best albums we ever made. And the experience of working with the great Arif Martin, who's one of the world's greatest producers, You know, working with him in New York with with some of the world's greatest session musicians. So I I detail that in great detail because it was very important to me. And you know, things like opening for David Bowie uh, on his first tour when he did Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars. We we opened for him. We opened and all I talked about all the crazy experiences we had on the road opening for people like. Not only Bowie, but we opened for Cheech and Chong, we huh. opened for Stevie Wonder, we opened for Blood, Sweat, and Tears, uh, we opened for the Bee Gees, you know, so we had all these great experiences in the 70s as we were kind of putting our sound together, and it all kind of came to fruition in the 80s with all the, you know, the huge run of hits we had.
1: Interesting. So what, if, if, what was your big break then? Which, which was that well, moment?
0: the big break was when we got to sign on Atlantic records in 1972 and Arif reef Martin uh, wanted to produce us. That was, that was changed everything. Um, because he was so, so the consummate musician, you know, to this day, I mean, when I, when I put a, a recording session together in Nashville, I run my recording sessions the way he ran his recording sessions with us in the early seventies, just that the style uh, the, the approach, you know, putting the song first and, and uh, you know, uh, and, and surrounding the song with, the right players it's, you know there's, there's a million great guitar players a million great drummers whatever you know it's not who's the who's the best it's who's the exact right person for the moment and for the sound and the song that you're trying to do and that's a, that was a kind of a fundamental thing i learned from him and uh you know so that was really our big break and then of course you know we had a our, our first hit record sarah smile rich girl she's gone in the mid 70s and then, of course, when the 80s hit, we were kind of unstoppable on, on, an, on Top 40 radio.
1: Tell us about MTV. What was it like doing videos? we got about uh, three minutes left, so tell us a little bit about okay. what it would be like to do a video on MTV.
0: Well, <laughs> it wasn't my favorite thing to do, I must <laughs> say, but hey, we were friends with the guys who started MTV. We were living in New York, and uh, those guys came to us uh, because, you know, we were having hits, and they came and they said, listen, we're starting this video music channel. We said, what's a video music channel? And they said, well, you know, we're going to show music, you know, you, you do your song and you create a video version of it and we're going, to, we're going to show it on TV. And we said, all right, well, you know, and they said, we need content, we need stuff. And so if you look at our early videos and you look at some of the earliest videos played on MTV, they were all shot in front of a black, you know, curtain because people didn't know what to do. Uh, and as, as time went on, of course, you know, they, they became really elaborate and expensive and over the top. Um, but you know, it was great. We were the first. Uh, Daryl and I were the first uh, guest video VJs on MTV to come on. You know, as artists and, and you know, host the segment. Uh, to this day, I'm still friends with all those uh, those guys. And uh, you know, uh, I just saw Alan Hunter. We played a show in Chicago, and he came to the show. Uh, you know, Martha Quinn. You know, all the, I still see them, and uh, it's great. Uh, you know, it was a really exciting time for music
1: that is really really cool i was wondering because i was i was looking at some of the early videos and i'm thinking gosh what did they do what like the choreography you know did they just say <laughs> well, just go know, out there it, and do your thing yeah, or it was, it was
0: a bunch of to be honest with you. You know, we did some embarrassing stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that, you know, had I, had I had it to do over again, I would have paid a little more attention to the videos, not realizing they were going to be, uh, you know, a, a visual legacy of my life for the rest of my life, you know. Um, but in those days, we didn't think much of it. You know, we just... It was like, hey, great way to promote our music, great way to get our get get our names out there and our our, our mugs out there, and uh, you know, we were more focused on making records and touring. And to this day, that's it's still where we're at. You know, we're all about music.
1: We got a minute left. Tell us, uh, who was one of the most instrumental or influential artists that uh, impacted your life and your musical career? Who would you say that would be?
0: Well, I go back to Mississippi John Hurt. Okay. A guy named Doc Watson and uh, Curtis Mayfield. If you put oh, really and, and Chuck Berry if you put those four guitar players together, that's what I play like and of course I don't play as good as any of them but I they you know I'm kind of a I'm kind of an amalgamation of those four guys.
1: Okay Music what do you listen to? Who, what do you listen to today? I mean, do you listen to the, to the old 60s, 70s stuff, or do you listen to a lot yeah, of modern stuff?
0: You know, stuff? in the car I'll put on, you know, I'll, I'll go on sometimes, I'll go on Sirius XM, and I'll put on various channels. I, I listen to everything from 40s music, big band music. Uh, right now, because I'm producing an album for a friend of mine, I'm listening to his music. Oh. Uh, a lot of times, you know, I'm so wrapped up in, in actually listening for information you know, when you're producing a record, you've got to listen to the same song hundreds of times. Yep. And, uh, you know, I'm mixing, so I'm listening very critically. And so a lot of a lot of my, my kind of musical energy gets taken up with that.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, John, we are up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Gridding Cars. Yeah, I really yeah. look forward to meeting you uh, at Amelia Island in a couple of weeks. So uh, yeah.
0: if people well, want to find out... It'll be great.
1: Out, yes, and if people want to find out more about you real quick, where do they go?
0: Well, it's johnoats.com or um, John Oates' uh, official uh, Instagram page. is pretty interesting. Okay. And I'm on Facebook as well, so, you know, I'm out there.
1: Okay, and your book, they go to Amazon?
0: Change of Seasons on Amazon. Uh, the new album's called Arkansas. That's on Amazon as well.
1: Excellent. Well, John, I want to thank you again very much. I want to thank my very special guest, John Oates, of... Uh, Daryl and John Oates, the musical geniuses of the 70s and 80s. John, you take care. I look forward to seeing you at Amelia Island, and again, thank you very much.
0: Thanks, buddy. Come on up and
1: say hello. I will do that. Hey, guys, guess what? We had a very special guest this evening. John Oates was with us from uh, the musical duel, Holland Oates. Wow. You're a rich girl, Sarah, and uh, a lot of cool songs out of the 70s and 80s. By the way... The racing event that I was thinking about this weekend is the National Mustang Racing Association in Bradenton Motorsports this weekend. Don't forget, I want to see some of you guys at some of the car shows. Tune in every Tuesday night here on the Talk Radio Network between 7 and 8 p.m. Tell all your friends, too. Alan, hope you're doing okay. Hello to all my other buddies out there. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that other social media stuff, wherever we're at. And uh, in the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.
0: WTAN
1: Clearwater FM 106.1
0: WDCF Dade City, Tampa Bay WZHR Zephyr Hills FM 104.3 Listen.